Thank you guys for being here this morning. God's in the building, amen? Amen. Amen. You know, I just appreciate all of you. You you come and you sit and you listen. (laughs) Even if I miss some things sometimes, I am not above uh, correction. And I'm not above um, saying that I'm wrong in some areas. Um, And I just have to, before I even get started this morning, just say that, you know, this week was a rough week. It is a rough week. (laughs) And that's like doing it justice, you know. Um, Or I should say maybe not doing it justice. I'm just trying to be nice about it. But how it was rough for me was more spiritual than anything else. You know? And, and that is an indicator for me. It's an indicator that two things. It can either be rough because I'm doing something wrong or it can be rough because I'm doing something right. Right? So I'm wondering if there's anybody else in this room who's experiencing the same thing. Spiritual warfare on a level that's up here. Yeah. Now, as I get into this message, I'm, I'm doing this intro way different than the first service, just way different. As I get into this, there is a posture of heart that we have to have moving forward. And I'm telling you, that posture of heart, ladies and gentlemen, is not only rooted in intimacy like I've been talking about, but it's also going to be rooted in this word, fear. Not phobia. The fear of God. I'm telling you, if we do not fear Him, He will wipe our butt out of here. He will wipe us off of this earth. <laughs> and to continually kind of say to Him, mm, my way is better, my way or the highway, man, we, we just can't do that. We're in a time right now, ladies and gentlemen, where the fear of God, those who fear Him, let me say that, are the ones He's going to call forward. And I tell you what, I don't want to miss the train. I don't want to miss the bus. You guys with me this morning? So I feel, I feel like this. Some of you guys are coming in here with things that you've dealt with. I just asked, well, am I a tough week? Yeah, maybe. Maybe not a tough week. But you got something on you. That situation is specific to producing in you righteousness. Producing in you greatness. Producing in you confidence. Producing in you something that is better than where you're at right now. Understand that. Okay? I'm coming strong with it today. (laughs) We're going to continue here in in Romans. And we're going to jump into chapter 10. Chapter 10 is the beginning, not the beginning, it's the continuation of a thought that lasts kind of through chapter 12. And I'm not going to read all that scripture today. We're just going to be reading 11 scriptures um, and a bunch of other cross-references. But I'm going to start from the beginning talking about this title. I did that at the end last service and I feel like I need to switch it. This chapter 10 is broken up into two sections. 1 through 11, and then 12 through the end of the chapter. And there's two things being talked about within these these sections. And the first is, Paul's making the uh, distinction between righteousness of the law and righteousness of faith. And how the Jews are married to the righteousness of the law, but how there is so much to be offered through righteousness of faith, through the gospel. Okay, that's the first thought. The second thought is that The gospel puts both the Jews and the Gentiles all on the same page. All on the same level. See, ladies and gentlemen, I have standards for myself. You have standards for you. Some that you know, some that you don't. Some that I know, some that I don't. Whatever the case may be. But my standards may not live up to yours. And therefore, what we do human nature-wise is we say, you might be a little less of whatever, whatever, or more of, fill in the blank, because standards are here. Right? The gospel... Evens the playing field. That's what the latter half of chapter 10 is talking about. That, hey, we're all on the same level because of what Jesus did. And I am so thankful for that. I really am. Uh, So, you you guys, you with me this morning? 
up until this point, alright? Now we're just going to be looking at verses 1 through 11 today, alright, with some other cross-references. I've been trying to get God's character and Jesus' character um, weaved into, woven into this, these, these messages. Because what we've been doing is, chapter 9 was a little, not rough, but it's one of those chapters that can be a hot button because it's of the mind of predestination just a little bit. So what do we do? We look at who God is. We look at who Jesus is. And we take that. We take the whole council. We take Genesis to Revelation. We take it all. And not just a little piece that we can pull out and make it say what we want to say, right? So what I'm trying to do on these Sunday mornings is not only preach to you about intimacy, but preach to you, here we go with the fear of God, and also the character of who Christ is. I want y'all to walk out of here with the character of who he is more than anything else and what type of God we serve. Are you with me? Yes. Amen. I may be asking you to say amen quite a bit today. Just so get ready. Right? Get your bag of amens out and just get ready to throw them. Come on, pastor. You need to wake y'all up or something. These verses, 1 through 11. Verses 1 through 4 highlight the first part of what I was saying as far as righteousness of the law. What Paul is doing in speaking to this church at Rome through this essay is bringing a distinction between the righteousness of the law and the righteousness of faith. Verses 1 through 4 speak about the righteousness of the law, which we're going to kind of slow down on just a little bit. Verses 5 through 11 speak about this righteousness of faith. Okay? Now, before we get into that, does anybody, would you know how to answer the question, what is righteousness? How would you define righteousness? A lot of times in church, yeah, we hear these words. Man, you just got to have faith. Well, what is faith? You're like, oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, Hebrews. I think it's uh, chapter 11. Jump in there. But what is righteousness? Is it the right thing? Because that word right is in there. The Greek helps us understand what this word means. And one of those definitions is that which God has approved. It's things that he has said yes to already. Already said yes to him. I'm going to make this statement right quick. Then I'm going to jump back to talking about righteousness. How often do we, as believers, jump into something first and ask God to bless it second? <laughs> Instead of figure, excuse me, pausing, waiting, praying for the Lord to reveal that which he's already approved and then running as hard as we can after that because we know we can't fail because he's already said yes to it. Lord, I'm just going to jump in and do this because it's great. And then down the road, we're like, well, can you bless it? Because it doesn't really look like it's getting blessed. I need you to bless my decision. Bless what I did. Bless what I decided to do. And he's saying, well, there are things that I have blessed. Why don't you just run after those ones? It's a little bit easier. Are you with me this morning? Running after righteousness. Righteousness of faith. That which God has approved. That's what that word means. So the distinction, differentiation between the righteousness of the law and the righteousness of faith is what is the common theme in here. And I know I said this and I just went off on a tangent about the title, Zeal for Perfection. I think I kind of alluded to it already, but that what you're going through today, hard stuff, also, stuff that isn't seemingly hard is because there's a perfection that the Lord is trying to get, not only out of you, well, yes, yes, out of you, but do you also know that there's a zeal that comes from God towards his children? There's a zeal that comes from God towards his children, and there's also a zeal that we have in us that if it's not pointed in the right direction, it can be extremely harmful. It can be extremely hurtful. And we're about to jump into that. I know I said those two things backwards. Not only is there a zeal within us, but there's a zeal from God to us. And I want you to know He's not done with you. He's coming after you right now. As I look some of you guys in the eye, 
Man, he had you on his mind when he was going to the cross. Not just the ones who I looked in the eye, but everyone, okay? <laughs> Seriously. Let's just make sure that is correct. So I'm, let's just read through this. I'm going to stop talking. Let's read through this, verses 1 through 11. And really, let's, uh, again, that question. What's the response from me today? Brethren, my heart's desire, my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. That's a big statement. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone Excuse me, who believes. Verse 5. For Moses writes... That the man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law shall live by that law. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will uh, descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? It being the word. The word is near you and it is in your mouth. And in your heart. That is the word of faith. Which we are preaching. Catch these last few verses. This is so simple. It says that if you confess with your mouth. Jesus as Lord. And believe in your heart. That God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart. A person believes. Resulting in righteousness. Resulting in that which God has approved. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. Now I'll tell you what, you guys have heard me reference 10, Romans 10, verse 9, a lot. That it is that simple to step into the kingdom of God. All you have to do is believe right here and confess with your mouth that he is Lord and you're saved. Hallelujah. Uh, who has the, uh, the chart on their refrigerator or the calendar and you check off every Sunday? When you come to church, you go home, you get to pull out your little magic marker and check it off. Nobody has those? Good. Amen. I'm glad. Because coming here don't save you. Going to some Bible study doesn't save you. Reading some self-help book doesn't save you. Confessing with your mouth and truly believing right behind your sternum that Jesus is it, is the only thing that's going to save us. But if we backtrack just a little bit, verses 1 through 4, 1 through 5, Paul, I believe, is making a statement here about the condition again of Israel. Now Paul's heart in this moment, I believe, is something that needs to be looked at again. Because... He opened up chapter 9 with, man, let me be the one who takes the fall for these people instead of them. Same thing that Moses said. Comes down the mountain, sees the people uh, worshiping a golden calf and says, let me be the one who gets blotted out. But guess who else did that? Jesus Christ himself. But he didn't just say it. He did it. He didn't just say it. He actually hung on the cross for us. He actually did stand in the gap, right? So we see the same heart in Paul in verse, uh, chapter 9, opening of chapter 9, that we do now in chapter 10. And I just feel like it's something that needs to be looked at. It's not the gist of the scripture. But to pass over it, I feel like, would be just, uh, wouldn't be a good thing. So he says something here. He says, brethren, my heart's desire. That's, that's a deep thing. Anybody in here have desires of their heart? <laughs> Man. I got a little bit vulnerable at first service. It was like, man, there's some, some things that I desire that I just don't think might ever happen. Like growing taller. That might never happen. <laughs> but Paul is not saying, man, I just hope. Man, I just wish. He's saying in the depths of who I am. It's a personal, intimate thing. My prayer. Now, you got to understand again who he's praying for. He's praying for people who threw him in jail. 
praying for people who slapped him in the face when he's trying to preach the gospel. He's praying for people who have rejected the Messiah. The very man that he's in love with, the very man that he is trying to communicate to the rest of the world, he's saying, my heart's desire is to pray for you. You ever had somebody slap you in the face and the first response is to pray for him? <laughs> it, teach me your ways. If that's, yeah. Human nature is not like that. Human nature is if somebody hurts you, man, I'm going to do everything I can to either get revenge or I'll just cut you off and never hear from you ever again. Paul's heart's desire was to pray for these people, but he didn't just pray, Lord, get them. He didn't pray, just Lord, just do whatever you got to do. He says, I pray for their salvation. That is their best. He prays for their best. What would it look like if we had a church that when somebody mm, did something that was uncomfortable to us, we turn the other cheek and say, slap this one too. Man takes your coat, give him your shirt as well. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who hurt you. But pray for their best. Because that is a posture of heart, ladies and gentlemen, that nothing can hurt you then. I mean, does that make sense? When I say that, that, last, that last little bit there. Paul's heart is in a place where he's intimate with the Lord that no matter what happens to this man, the correct response. How does the Lord want you to respond today? How does he want you to respond to this, to this word? The next part of this scripture is, is huge. He says, for I testify about them. This testifying is something that is a good thing. Because he's saying, I testify about them, about the Jews, about this nation, uh, that they have a zeal for God. Anybody know what that word zeal means? I mean, you don't have to answer me right now. I'm just kidding. Hear a pin drop. But let me get to my definition right here. Zeal, great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause. So what you're saying to me is these people are going as hard as they can. They got a great enthusiasm and energy towards God. But what does it say after the comma? But not in accordance with knowledge. Here, Paul is making the distinction between, again, the righteousness of the law and the righteousness of the faith in concentrating on this law business. The Jews were married to the law. Now, is there something that you're married to? Not your husband or your wife. I'm not saying that. All right, yes, you're married. But is there something that you're married to that you refuse to give up? And you know it. Hey, let's just be real today. Okay, I'm not just going to say there's that one thing that you know you need to give up, but you... No, there's something you're thinking about right now. That you refuse to give up, that you're married to. See, these Jews, they refused to let the letter of the law go so that they could experience the subject or Jesus who was the law, the fulfillment of the law. It was, let me just do these things rather than let me experience with the Father. I'll tell you what. I love Beck to death. I much more enjoy hanging out with him than I do talking about him. I much more, being, I much more love being in his presence than I do talking to someone else or planning on or whatever in his, talking about his presence. Planning on being in his presence. Does that make sense? And it's the same thing with people. It's the same thing with Jesus. But yet we have this nation that is so caught up on, man, let me just do it right. And if I do it right, I'll get acceptance from the Lord. I'll be accepted by the Lord. Salvation will be ours. And that's not it. You totally miss out on Jesus. You totally miss out on an experience with talking with this man. Are you guys with me this morning? For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God. We have a zeal. I have a zeal. Do you know that God has a zeal for you as well? I said that earlier. And then it says, but not in accordance with knowledge. Okay, so where's the disconnect? That's what I ask myself when I, when I read this scripture. If it's not in accordance to knowledge, then what would a zeal for God look like when it is in accordance with knowledge? 
is it in accordance with just knowing Genesis to Revelation? Well, then we'd be just like the Jews and trying to do it by the letter of the law, right? What, what would my zeal look like if it was in accordance with knowledge? If you can, real quick, turn to Proverbs 1.7 as we get that up on the screen this morning. You remember how I told you about the fear of the Lord at the beginning of this thing? How the, uh, the spiritual warfare has gone through the roof and that not only alongside of, well, alongside of intimacy and getting to know the Lord on a deeper level, the fear of the Lord is what is going to sustain us through whatever this time is. Are you with me this morning? Well, this verse says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. There's other scriptures that say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of confidence. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of man. The fact that it says knowledge right there, you plug that back into uh, verse 2, that they had a zeal for the Lord but wasn't according to knowledge, you can have a zeal for God but not fear Him whatsoever. You can have a, a zeal for Christian things but not fear Him wiping us off of this earth because of something that we did. Because we didn't re repent or confess or for whatever reason we feel like we got it. You know, I'm good. I got to figure it out. Are you with me this morning? Amen. This is the righteousness of the law. Now see, the law isn't um, insignificant or somehow it doesn't matter anymore. All it does is it reveals our sin. It just shows us really how good or bad we are. <laughs> but it can do nothing to save you. Nothing. And that's where the Jews kind of got off track. They said, if I just do these things over and over and over again, I'm good. Paul's coming saying, look, that's not only wrong, but I'm going to be praying that you open up your eyes because salvation is for everybody. But you got to accept it. You got to understand and realize that in your heart. Like it says in verse 9, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you're, you're in. You got your ticket. All right? I'm, I believe so much that there are chocolate milk drinking fountains in heaven. They're, they're there. Okay? At least in my whatever area of heaven, there's going to be some. I just love chocolate milk. I don't know about you guys. I just had to say that. That gets me excited to go to heaven. Just saying. I don't know what it is for you. Rabbit trail. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. The end of this uh, verse 3 is the result of what it means to attach yourself to some... How do I say this? To attach yourself to the righteousness of the law and to continue and say, you know what, I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily need the Lord in this moment. Now, see, that may be a subconscious thought or an actual that's really what's coming out of your mouth either way man we got to get on our knees with that one because that's dangerous but here's the result of this and this comes out in our actions it's this for not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own when there's a, de a deficiency or a deficit in something we naturally try to fill the deficit if we don't know something, we try to fill that unknowingness, if that's a word that I just made up, with knowing and figuring something out. I'm a firm believer that what we do as humans is we fear the unknown. And therefore, what we do with that afterwards could be you know, a myriad of things. Some people avoid it. Some people run. Some people uh, actually dive right in. If you don't know something, some people try to uncover things. But nonetheless, we fear the unknown. And there's a pursuit of trying to fix things or patch holes. And we then begin to establish according to ourselves rather than establish according to the God-breathed Word of God. Are you with me this morning? That's the result. So, this, I mean, this, the first four verses of this is kind of heavy. But we'll get to the good stuff. Don't worry about it. You can relax here in a second. All right. But at verse four, it says, uh, if we get that up there, 
For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. I love that. He is the end. He is the beginning. No matter if you're going crazy after being righteous by the letter of the law or if it's by faith, do you know that it all lands on him? It does. And that's why I have to get back to telling you guys, look, what you're going through right now has the purpose of landing on him. Staying on him. Being rooted and grounded in him the whole time. Please know that he's going to finish what he started in you. He's going to finish it. And it may be tough and it may be hard. It may be glorious. It may be the funnest thing you've ever done. But he's going to get out of you what he put in you. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond today? You guys with me? Amen. Verse 5, for Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. And then verse 6. It says this, but the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. To go up and find Christ, to go down and find Christ, he's saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm right here. This righteousness of faith means that there's a personal relationship that can be had all the time. Now see, I can't have a relationship with Christ by proxy. I can't, be a, I can't dive into the word by proxy with Beck because he's got a gift for teaching. And the things that he says, you know what, I got to get in there myself. Nobody's going to go up for me. Nobody's going to go down for me. Number one, he took care of all that. Jesus took care of all that. All right? But I can't have a relationship by proxy even by my dad. Even by my, my family. He's saying, look, I gave you access for you to know. You can't have a relationship with him by proxy with husband, wife. He says, it's you and me. And everyone else, but you hear what I'm saying. I want to have, I want to speak to you. And I want to have a conversation with you because I'm making myself near to you. That's, a, that, that's verse 8. And then almost like, I feel like this is the best part of the scripture. Because it speaks to something, ladies and gentlemen, that I think we might have an issue with. I know that I do. Let me just say, I'm not going to say you. I'm not going to talk about me. Not that anything that comes from me can save you. I'm not saying that. But here's, here's what this is communicating in verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and then these next two words, and believe. And believe. I can say it all day long. I can be up here preaching to you guys till the cows come home. Basically till the cows come back to my parents' house because that's where I'm living. But if I don't believe it right here, it means nothing. It's just lip service. What's in a man's heart is going to come out in their actions. If you believe in your heart that he is Lord, man, it's going to change some things in your life. There's certain things you're just not going to do. Certain things you're just not going to say. There's certain things that you will do. There's certain things that you will say. There's certain things that you will respond to. Are you, are you catching me, church? Yeah, yeah, come on. You hype me up when you say that. I'm about to get my towel. <laughs> it's on the CSU bench. <laughs> pray, for our, pray for our Rams, okay? That was a tough one. It was just, you know, the uh, Air Force, in essence, took us out behind the woodshed and just beat us up a little bit and sent us home. <laughs> but pray for our guys. They'll be all right. They'll jump back on it. Um, but yeah, on the bench with my towel, getting hype. When you do that, just know it's encouraging, okay? Yeah. Um, but this verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart 
something specific that God raised him from the dead, uh, you will be saved. And then verse 10, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in that which God has approved, righteousness. And which, excuse me, um, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Off the top of my head, I get Psalms and Proverbs mixed up sometimes when I, when I come to referencing things. But there's a verse that says there's life and death in the power of the tongue. That's either Psalms 18 or, or Proverbs 18. Um, go look at it so you're not getting bad information from me. But that's a, that's a powerful verse. That you, and I've said this to you guys before, we cannot, no, God cannot fix something that we want to keep broken. Do you know that part of releasing that is speaking it out? Have you ever spoke to yourself the inner dialogue that you have about yourself? <laughs> Sometimes it's great. You feel good and then you start saying stuff and you're like, wow, did I really just say that about myself? Man, I'm better than that. I'm not such and such. I'm not X, Y, Z. It's different when you hear it. There's power in confessing because you release from your mouth something that needs to be released. The Lord is saying, when you release the truth and confess that he is Lord, man, that's a massive change. So I'm going to encourage you guys this morning. Talk to yourself in the truck or the car or the shower, which you probably already do. My mom talks to the dogs. They don't really talk back. They shout. But be vocal. Because sometimes you'll hear yourself say something and it'll be like, nah, man, I need to cut that off. I don't need to be speaking that to myself anymore. But what should come out of our mouth every single day? Confessing that he is king. Right? Whew. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good stuff this morning. And then verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Um, I didn't get a chance to get to this cross-reference first service, but it's Psalms 127, 1 and 2. And uh, if we can get that up there. Do we have that on there? No. no, we don't? Okay. Here's what this is. Let me flip to this right quick. This is a good one. Because if there's a difference between the righteousness of the law and there's an establishing that goes on in that and difference between the righteousness of the law and the righteousness of faith and within both there's an establishing that can occur. This verse says this, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early or to retire late to eat the bread of painful laborers, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Man, if you believe in Christ, you'll never be disappointed. I'm not saying you're going to be smiles and cake and streamers and candy all the time, but you'll never be disappointed. Never. See, that's the part that's hitting me about this, this scripture. That man, if you're up here talking about it, do you really believe it? If you're up here preaching it, is it really in you? And that's why this last week was rough. I wasn't questioning anything. Don't hear me say that. No. The Lord brings us to a place in intimacy where you have to get deeper than where you're at. And the deeper, the depth requires you to leave something behind. It requires you to shed something. A way of thinking. Man, that was me. He told me, I will make a way from you. Uh, make a way for you. That's, that was spoken over me years ago. Every single time it's come true. Why is it right now that all of a sudden I'm saying, Lord, I don't, I'm disappointed. 
in where I'm at. He's saying, I got it taken care of. He's saying, I need you to believe in me. And I need the belief to show itself in how you live. I need the belief to show itself in how you talk. I need the belief to show itself, ladies and gentlemen, here we go, in how you respond today. How are you going to respond today? It might be up here. It, may, it might be on the way home. It might be you got to pull over. I constantly hear Jared telling me, man, I had to pull over because there was a worship song. And I just thank God because we don't want you to crash. You know, <laughs> That's a good thing. But you might have to pull over. Who knows? How are you going to respond? This perfecting that the Lord is doing. We don't even understand in us that our pursuit of, I want to say, things is because we want to be perfect. I, honestly, what subconsciously, consciously, we're after the one-up. We're after the better thing. We're after advancing perfection. But yet we have a God in heaven that even when we don't believe, He's still after perfection in us. He's still after bringing us through the eye of the needle, letting things fall off so that we can be perfected and look just like Jesus at the end of when, whenever he wants to take us home. So let it be a, a, of an encouragement today that zeal is a good thing, super good, but it's got to be in the right direction, right? That comes out of... Uh, Galatians 4.18. I think we have that one. It says, But it is always, but it is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable manner. And not only when I am present with you. And I have this, the NIV actually used the word zeal for this translation. And it says this, It's fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good. It's good to be sought after as long as it's in a commendable manner. A good purpose. Hang on to that word good. Because what is, what is a good purpose? What's, what's a good cause? What's a, a good thing to be zealous for? If you turn to Mark 10. It says this. And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. If you're zealous for anything, let it not be the blue and the orange, wearing a helmet, running up and down the field, chasing a pigskin, or whatever NBA team you like, or whatever it is. <laughs> not the Raiders. We will excommunicate you if you are a Raiders fan. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Be zealous, ladies and gentlemen. Go after stuff hard. But is it righteous? Not the right thing, but is it that which God has approved? Because he put zeal in you for that. To be zealous towards that which is good. And God is the only thing that is good. If that's the case... This righteousness of the law. Even that. The end of that is God. As it says in verse 4. But this righteousness that is according to faith. Getting back to the statement that I made. How often do we make a decision first and ask God to bless it second. Rather than searching and waiting for what he's already blessed. And jumping into that. I'm saying this morning, let your zeal take you off the cliff. The one that's pointed towards Christ. Let your zeal take you to a place where you jump according to faith in Christ. And not faith in trying to understand. Faith in trying to make it make sense in your head. You with me today? See, I, I, I fall victim of that way too much. Man, I'm trying to make it work. I'm trying to understand it. I'm trying to understand people. <laughs> and I just don't. But guess who does? The day that the Lord told me I was going to be a pastor, I said, no, nope. 
I'm going to be a fireman. I'm just kidding. But the more and more I get into this, the more and more I say, how am I supposed to do this? He said, you're not. I tell you guys this all the time. He said, I'm going to do it through you. He's going to accomplish his work in you. And it's for a purpose. And it's for that which he's already approved. And it's Jeremiah 29, 11. It's not for calamity. It's for good. Believe in that. Rest in that. Come on. Come on, church. Rest in that stuff. Amen? So let's get worship team back up here. We'll get prepared for our offering. Uh, but did you guys catch that this morning? Anybody? Amen. I'm going to go back to this, this Proverbs 1, 7. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We get off track, ladies and gentlemen, because there's no, honestly, there's no fear of God in that area of our life. You want to break it down to its least common denominator? That's what it is. You guys can come up here. And this morning, I want to give you a chance to respond. I want to give you a chance to step in. I want to give you a chance to just respond to the question that I ask you. How, how are you going to respond to what God's saying? And let that be in the manner of, man, I need to get back to fearing Him. I need to get back to saying, Lord, you are God over everything. You are my everything. And I will praise your name <laughs> all day long. Let's pray for this offering and then see what the Lord wants to do with that. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing this morning. God, thank you for the scripture. Thank you for how you speak to us through this scripture. Lord, I thank you for your pursuit of us. I thank you that you're going to come after us. You are coming after us right now. And Lord, it'd be better for us to just say, okay, you can have all of me. Rather than to keep trying to establish ourselves in our own righteousness, Lord. That's not sustainable. God, continue to do work in this moment. We pray, Father, as this uh, offering goes by that we can give joyfully, that, Lord, you will continue to bless us so that we can bless each other and bless you and bless your kingdom. So, Father, let what gets put in there be an offering, be a, 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 be a worship to you. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And you guys can pass that. for you guys today? Sermon? Was it helpful? It's good. I think there's um, the information we, we got today, I, I think there's a response to it. Now we have to do something with it. And uh, this hit me right at the end of first service as I was working through some notes and as I was coming into second service, I, I felt like this is for us. And so I want to share, share this with you. There's a, if we go just beyond the scripture that Alex preached on today, I'm not going to preach on it. I'm going to use it as a conclusion. Uh, it says this, verse 11 through 13, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will be called on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
kind of the beginning and the end of our relationship with Jesus Christ is founded in love. We, we kind of frivolously throw that word around, don't we? Love, I love this. It's in all of our songs. It's on all of our cards. But what is the truest, most foundational element of what love is? It is Him. It's Him. And sometimes when we believe in the Lord, we call on His name and we are saved. We live that experience out. We kind of receive, if you will, the gift that is the love of God. We, 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 we trust in Him. We spend time on that. We're captivated by it. And then time passes and we need something else. We need to go beyond that gift to the next thing. For some of us, it's a deeper level of theology. It's the law. For others, it's I have to work. Uh, whoever has a Catholic upbringing knows what I'm talking about. There's, there's work to be done and penance to be paid and effort to be had. Listen to me, church. There is no thinking beyond. There is no level of effort that is greater than. There is nothing better than the simple gospel. Those who call on his name will be saved. But I encourage you today to maybe lay aside those things we've picked up along the way. Uh, we need another level of theology, or we need another church to go to, or we need a deeper sense of worship, or we have to start to perform in some way for this love that we got for free in the first place. Would we lay all of that crap just to the side, and would we go explore again the simple gospel that you called on the Lord, and you will be saved, and that you will never be disappointed in that. That we can explore that love forever. We can grow to deeper depths of that love and understanding of that love, but we must never go beyond. In essence, in other words, we must never leave it behind to go and explore another thing because we just left the best thing. Does that make sense today? I think for some of us in our heart, church has become an effort-based, works-based, performance-based, privilege-based thing because we left the simple gospel as an elementary thing, when really it's the most profound of them all. I'd encourage you today, and however he wants, Alex wants to bring this forth, to return to, to, to repent away from your need to perform for good and let good be given to you by a man who gave it all up on the cross for you and I. Let's mm -hmm. get that. Yeah. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet right quick. You know, I've used this before I think it's uh, appropriate for right now. Uh, you know, I really believe that God is asking some of us in this room to l legit, like, draw a line in the carpet or the sand and say, I refuse to go back there. I refuse to do that again. I refuse to fill in the blank. Because what it is, is it's a, a, a representation an actual act of saying enough is enough. That all of what you just got done hearing Beck say, that works-based whatever, letting that go and saying, I'm just, I woke up one day and I just decided not to be like that again. <laughs> it's that simple. This choice of, of, of accepting Christ is that simple. This choice of not being how you used to be, ladies and gentlemen, is that simple. So I don't, I don't know if that means some of us need to come up front and just get on your knees and get before the Lord. I'm going to open it up. I'm not saying that's what you have to do, but where you're at right now, as we close this service, uh, let there be a, a, a drawing of a line in the sand. And saying, God, you know what? I'm just going to come flying back to you. Running as hard as I can. Does that resonate with anybody this morning?
Okay. Maybe that's not it then. Maybe I need to ask if someone else has something. Because I'll do it. Until, until we get what the Lord wants in this moment, I'm not just going to throw something out there and be like, yeah, that's going to be it. And nobody responds to it. Amen. Amen. Because we, we want to we take steps forward this morning. Amen. It's, it's going to be a safe place. Ain't nobody going to judge you for nothing. Oh, all glory be to God. The Lord right now is wanting us to get a little closer to him than we've allowed ourselves to be. Before, Alex was talking about stuff getting in the way. And it's not just... It's the stuff that you, you just fill yourself with. You let that stuff overcome you where there's not enough room for you to reach God through all the mess, through all the worries, through all the concerns, through all the angers, yeah. through all the past memories. Yeah. You know, we got to give that out up. Because that's standing in between us and the Lord. Yeah. God wants you to just let it go. All of it. And just open yourself up and just walk right into his presence. Walk into his presence. Walk into his room. His, walk through those gates right into his, his throne room. And he wants you to be bare. He wants that heart to be bare. So you can be with him and talk to him and just rejoice with him. Spirit to spirit. Get yourself in that quiet place and then just let it go and give him everything. Walk into that th throne room and give him everything. What your mother did, what your father did, you know, what the people did down the street, what the bank said they weren't going to do because God can do it. Amen. God will do it. Hallelujah. They said faith is not believing that God can, but believing what that God will. Yeah. So we just need to shed all that stuff. Take it off and just go heart to heart, spirit to spirit, yeah. and go ahead and let the Lord talk and work with us, and there you're going to find your rest. Not with talking about it, not with cussing about it, not about crying about it. It's about coming to God and shedding it all to Him, and that's where you really find the rest. Amen. Amen. Yes. Does that resonate? Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I think that what she said... Uh, Specifically when it comes to if there's a cluttered room, not a whole lot else can get in there, right? To make room. To pray that the Lord would make room. I don't know what that's for. I don't know what God wants to do with that. But just saying in this moment as we sing, to, to say that to him. Lord, whatever you have to do, just make room. Amen.